champ is here. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. The champ is here. I'm going to continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will I not, not lose. lose. I'm a bad man. I took up the world. Yes, yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. Yeah, yes, he's the DB of the show, and we are the award-winning Black in Sports. We're giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here giving you the best interviews and professionals in and around the game, covering it all, laughing it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So, you know what we do around now, man. We have to introduce our guest. So excited to have her on. So we all know that black girls rock. And we're happy to have this amazing black woman on the show. Best-selling author, speaker, podcast host, all right, pro sports lawyer, and an innovator. So, you know, we got to go ahead and clap it up for Miss Savania DeBarros. Welcome, welcome to the show. Let's get it. Let's get it. So if you don't know by now, how we start the show is a shoot your shot moment. All right. So this is where you can tell us a moment when you just went bet on yourself, win or lose, but you bet on yourself and you're like, you know what? I got to go for mine. Give us that story. Man, that's easy for me. <laughs> okay. I like easy. Let's go. I couldn't find a job when I passed the bar. Ooh. Yep. 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 So I am one of those first generation lawyers okay, and man, of I... course, law business owner. Okay. Um, come from a, yeah. I come from a family of entrepreneurs, but of course, no, I didn't know anybody that was a lawyer. So, you know, I really worked my butt off in law school, did a lot of different things just so that I can be a diversified candidate for a law firm and right. I could not get hired. Um, so I, what was this? This was 2013 when I graduated, studied to the bar that same July. In October, I was licensed or barred as an attorney. Okay. And I went out looking for jobs, didn't get any real offers. And I said, okay, God, what am I supposed to do at this point? Because I don't want to get stuck in a situation where I'm doing like these little what you know docu document review type jobs where lawyers just go in and look at documents for them and then you're stuck mm -hmm. in that for two years and, and you're still not employable because you have no real skills. And so I prayed about it and I said, come January 31st of next year, if I don't have a real job offer, I'm hanging my own shingle. And that's what I did. Boom. Boom. I love it. So Going back to the beginning, or kind of the foundation, where did your love for sports and, and, and athletes uh, begin? Oh, my goodness. In my childhood, and actually, I think I had a love-hate relationship with sports because I didn't want to get dirty. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a new one. Okay. I was that pretty kid. Like, for real. I remember, I I don't know if I really, if I beat up this kid or if I just yelled at this kid. And I was in elementary and I had the oh, white. Oh, you beat him out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this version is something different on the other side. Yeah. You, you try to have plausible denial. <laughs> no, like, literally, I, don't, I can't remember. <laughs> you look that yeah, You know what happened. <laughs> No, I remember this kid. My mom had just bought me some white LA gear, light up shoes, tennis shoes. Let's go. Okay. And I remember we were walking to the park and some kid stepped on my tennis shoes. And I remember getting so upset about that. But my mom also reminded me of an incident that happened a while ago. I was, this is also elementary. And the teacher called her and said, well, is she not allowed to play on the playground? And my mom said, no, she can act, she can play. And then she said to me, why aren't you playing? And I said, because I didn't want to get dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I want my shoes to get dirty. I don't want to get dirty. So that's like my love-hate relationship with sports. Loved it. I, I loved being out of the house. And I didn't realize later all of the skill sets and the character traits that I developed because I was a part of sports and a part of it for so long. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize how much that love, how deep that love was um, when I left college. And I really, really didn't even understand it until I got into the space where I said, you know what, I'm going after my people and I'm going to represent them. Yeah. You know, there was a situation that came up a few times um, after that whole hanging my, my own shingle thing after not getting an opportunity um, mm -hmm. where I tried to reach out to athletes. 
And you know, when you want to do something new, you have to start with your network of people you know. And I felt like I just got shut out so quick. So for me as a new lawyer, I'm like, okay, maybe I don't know enough. I don't know enough people. I don't have enough connections, blah, 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 blah. So let me just wait and try to do what I can do. And maybe I can go back to these people to see if I can get my foot in the door. But it wasn't until 2017 when I had my son, I was like, "Mm mm-mm. That's not gonna work for me <laughs> because because like now at that point running my own business representing business owners representing you know different types of clients right and doing what I love which was helping people something was still missing right mm-hmm. and I had to really do a deep dive into myself like who who are you and who is it that you really 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 want to serve because. I had never really thought about it that way. And okay. I don't know if it's, it's like a parenting thing. As soon as you get your first kid, you're like, okay, life is <laughs> getting real right now. So I need to figure this thing out. But yeah, so that's kind of like... The yeah. <laughs> there, there's two things that stuck out to me, what you just said, and we're going to get into, you know, some of the other things a little later, but character development is one thing that you stuck out to me. The word running and, and who you really are, right? So I... I I did some research and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, you had a, a background in, in in track and field. There's a lot of character developing uh, development when it comes to track and field. And while it's a team sport, sometimes there's a lot of individual base, right? Yes. You, you running your race. So how was track? What was your events? You know, obviously how it applies to what you're doing now. Just tell us about a little bit about your track and field days. Yeah. Um. So high school. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I did everything. And my senior year, I actually forgot about this. I got the leadership award. I didn't even know I was the actual leader on the team, but okay, I'll take it, you know. Right. Um, so I did, Jesus, four by four, four by two, mm-hmm. four by one, the 200. Oof. I don't know. I think I probably attempt, oh, my coach made me do the hurdles, the 100 and the 300 hurdles. Now, high school is 300 because I said, oh, let me try that. I can do it. I saw somebody else running hurdles. So I'm in practice and jumping over the hurdles. And the coach is like, Savanya, you run a hurdles next track meet. I said, oh, my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you serious? So ever since then, I was on hurdles. Hated it, but it is what it is. Um, college, I did the 200 and the open four. I hated the open four. But it was like one of those things where my, my coach is like, this is your training. So you do the 400, it'll help you in the 200. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, um, start back. You, um, Florida young lady, right? Florida girl. So I uh, grew up in Gainesville, went to high school in Gainesville, and then you stayed in Florida to go to college. So yep. what was that experience kind of growing up in that area? Ooh, um, different than what it is now. Ah, uh, well, yeah, I'm a Florida boy too. So I, didn't, I, I didn't put that out there, right? So, born in St. Pete, Tampa, St. Pete. So, okay, okay. And so Tampa's you're close. different than it's different. Yeah. Than when, it's still <laughs> different. Yeah. Yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Gainesville was one of those places when I was in high school there. I felt like this could be a place I I could come back to raise my family. It's nice, quiet country town. Um, I can say, like. <laughs> for sure, the people I went to high school with and graduated with, a lot of us are doing some real stuff, which is That's absolutely cool. amazing. Our graduation rates were high, you know, so I, that area at the time was really, really good. But now it's changed a lot. Kids are very different. Very, very, very <laughs> different, <laughs> to say the least. Um, there's a lot of gun violence going on around there, which I've been very shocked to hear about because Gainesville was not one of those types of towns. Um, So when I left Gainesville, the only reason why I left was because I I felt like I needed to get away from home. I wanted other experiences, but I didn't want to go too far to where if something happened, my family couldn't get to me. So I applied to USF and that's where I attended undergraduate school. And Tampa was different out the gate. It was um, an awakening moment. It was very much in your face, right? So, it, and that's when I realized how naive I was about a lot of stuff <laughs> when I moved to Tampa. But it was amazing because 
I met so many people and I would say to, to folks, you know, there's this narrative around folks telling their kids that they shouldn't go to college because it costs too much. And I get it. I understand it. But you also meet amazing and diverse individuals in college and you never know how those relationships may cultivate and how they'll show back up in your future, too. And so I'm just I'm thankful, especially with with some of my teammates that I've built relationships with the coaches that I've come into contact with when I was at USF and just individuals in the community have really played a major part in my development as a student athlete at that time. So, you know, I ain't got nothing bad to say about Tim. There you go. Entering the campus as a student athlete. I know you work with uh, student athletes now, but we all have that experience of what our first time entering the campus as a student athlete was. So what was that for you entering South Florida? Man, um, every new phase for me was always a nervous wreck. <laughs> um, I remember, oh, Jesus, so I was a political science major. I've always wanted to be a lawyer. And I remember just feeling so intimidated, not not really from like the athletic side, but just from all of it, the big classrooms, you know, these teachers with these auditorium type classrooms and these boards back and forth. It was it was nerve wracking and there's no one there to save you. Right. So you either show up or you don't. That's all on you. Nobody's calling home to your mama and your daddy. It's it's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, going to the athletic facility, I feel like was an escape sometimes from all of that, because there was this almost like a safe haven for you to come in and really just think and relax and remove all that stuff to really get into your own place so that you can do what is necessary to make sure that you move forward in your your athletic and educational career. So I loved it. I really loved it. That's interesting. We, 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 we touch on a little bit on this show about the escape, obviously, that athletes are more than just what they are on the court, on the field, on the track, or wherever their, uh, you know, competitive standpoint is. But you know, it, it is also a release from some other things into, you know, our society that sports is that's, that's a benefit from. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, we, we've touched on a little bit of mental health. Right. But that 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 is a definitely a mental exercise and release point for you in that stage of your career. And I, I'm sure for other athletes as well. And a transition in general. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard for me to kind of like talk. Well, you asked me about my personal, but um. <laughs> for a lot of, <laughs> I know, because I'm thinking like from a general, <laughs> from a general sense, right, of athletes going into that space. Like if we're talking about other sports, it their experience was probably way different than mine or my teammates. Mm-hmm. But I had relationships that I had built up and cultivated, like my AD. I never, I never forget his first name, which was Justin. I cannot remember his last name right now, but. I built such a good relationship with my AD. He ended up writing me a letter of recommendation when I applied to law school. Yep. Um, My professors, I had a few professors who also did, but there was what, it was like a study room. I don't want to call it study hall, but it was a study room where it was just specifically made for athletes. And I took full advantage of that space. There was hardly never really other student athletes in there, especially not football and basketball. Football was training like three, four times a day, which (laughs) I don't know how they had them doing all that. But um, it was to me, it was a safe haven because you need a place where you can cut out the noise, where you can really just focus in on what the task is at hand. And sometimes if you're forced to be in areas like the library can get crowded. Um, or if you want to go sit in a park or whatever, what, what is that area? What does it look like? Does it create the environment that you need so that you can be, so that it can be conducive to your success? And that's what that space at the athletic facility did for me. So I wasn't one of those top performing athletes. I wasn't a basketball player. I didn't play football, of course. <laughs> um, but I took advantage of the resources that were there. You know, and I wish that other student athletes would do the same because when you leave that school, yeah, right, <laughs> you got to pay for everything. Okay, yeah. you basically got to pay to walk into Starbucks just to sit there and use the internet. 
Right. So, or get the cops called on you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. So, so um with you did mention a couple other sports. Was track the only sport, or did you like watching other sports, or did you support other sports? Did you have family members that were other sports? Yeah. So in college, I would always watch the girls' basketball games. Um, my brothers were also in sports. I was actually in other sports too, like soccer. Gotcha. I played basketball <laughs> one year and I said, this is not for me, especially when I ended up making a goal in the other team's basket because I didn't know that you change size after halftime. Okay. So yeah, that was no longer. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not I'll, for I'll me. I'll just shoot your shot the, the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong one. Yes. The wrong one. Um, soccer was fun. I was always fast. I remember asking my mom, and I write this in my, my first book, What Are You Sporting About? Um, I remember asking my mom if I could stop playing that sport because I was the only black child, black female. And I remember just feeling so uncomfortable. Right. I didn't know why really at the time, you know, but when you get older, and you start getting into different spaces, you start recognizing like, oh, this is the same thing, right? So I didn't know it was a setup to my future and what my future would look like because the higher I went in education, the more the rooms were, the wider the rooms were, then the more I was the only one there. Um, but yeah, so I played softball, my brothers played baseball, they played football. Um, I did competitive cheerleading where Competitive cheerleading. Oh, I, I did. Mean, I did. I love cheerleading. Yes. Okay. Competitive cheerleading. And I. <laughs> cheerleading is a sport. Um, it is definitely a sport. Don't try me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was offered to go to London to be in this cheerleading group or something. I can't remember what it was. This was during high school. Both there and Australia, I was invited for track and I can never go because my parents did not have the funds to allow me to go. And so that's always been something in the back of my mind, like woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, what would that have looked like? And so it's important for me that I build a foundation where I can give my kid everything that he needs and some of what he wants. I don't want him to ever second guess that, well, you took this opportunity away from me just because you couldn't afford it. No, 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 brother. This is <laughs> all be on you you put in the work you can go so but those are some of the other sports that i was involved with and um you know i just i wish i could have gone but it's it's one of those things it, it definitely taught me a big lesson i at least worked hard for it and i got the opportunity for it but it is what it is and I think, you know, we as a culture do experience that, you know, a lot of opportunities that we can't afford that we can't we we miss out on because like we have the skill and aptitude, um, but just, you know, the financial components are sometimes, you know, left out. And I do want to point out, though, because you do have a cousin that was a Steeler, a wide receiver for the Steelers. So, you know, oh, you a, know that <laughs> as a Steeler fan, you know, I have to make sure that we 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 shot that out. You know what I'm saying? Don't shake your head over there, mate. How did you know that? Oh, my gosh. And he's probably going to like if he ever listens to this, I'm like, girl, how did you forget about me? But yeah, my <laughs> cousin, <laughs> one of my cousins did play professional ball. And I actually remember when he played for the Gators. Oh, that's and right. I think that's he right. went to Dallas first. And sometime after Dallas, he went over to Pittsburgh. But I remember watching him as a kid every, well, shoot, I don't know, probably was on Thursdays, but Sunday nights, I always remember mm -hmm. being able to stay up late because, you know, Sunday was, you got to get ready for school on Monday. Right. Yep. And we'll be watching him play. So that was awesome. Cool. Anything else before we uh, jump forward? So let's get into the career, you know, so we've been hinting around it and, you know, you said that you, cause one of my questions were going to be, when did you know, but you said you always knew that you wanted to be a lawyer. So, um, and you shoot your shot, you know, you, you said you came out with SL, uh, the borrows law firm LLC. So how is it? And, and how have you progressed after starting that? Right? Like what were the, the road bumps? Just kind of just telling us, you know, going into starting that. Yeah. Um, oh, 
going into because <laughs> this, it, you know what, business is one of those things where it's a continual growth, it's a continual climb. And yeah. even if you succeed at the levels that you had always wanted, there's always more to do. So I'm always on that climb up. But when I first got into it, it was just I didn't I didn't understand business that way. Like I didn't understand business at all. And let alone understanding all of the different unique underpinnings for a law business, which is completely different because now you're dealing with ethical rules and guidelines. You're dealing with state regulations, too, because you you have to you have to abide by the Supreme Court rules that allow you to even be a lawyer. Right. Um, but then understanding what business foundations are and what they look like, understanding how do I set my fees, which was a hard thing for me. And being a black woman, that was real, real hard. Like somebody saying, oh, they can't afford it. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, how am I supposed to make money if nobody can afford my services? And then getting stuck in a place where you're, you feel like you need to make everything affordable for everybody. And that was a problem I had before, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, as I grew and the something bad happened to me in my business that caused me to try to find this particular guy. And so I was searching through, <laughs> I was searching through the court records trying to see how I can get a hold of this individual. So I was going to sue this person. And I ended up running into an attorney who became my mentor because when we sat on a call, and I was talking to him about the issue, he was actually suing the same person for the same form of conduct. So we ended up talking, I want to say maybe like two hours on a call. Uh-huh. And the way this brother was just like feeding into my, my life and my business. And he never even seen me, never saw me, I mean, never talked to me before anything. You know, it was like, oh my gosh, it was exactly what I needed. And being able to have someone there to guide me through this entire process has been nothing short of, of a blessing for real. You know, we talk almost every day and he'll tell me, man, from where you started from to where you are now, he was like, boy, he was like, I already knew you was a monster, but I didn't turn you into a beast. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just amazing. So we talk about everything from personal life to you know, business. How do you even deal with clients? How do you set your fees? And it's just something that every year, honestly, I just have to keep grooming it and get better at it. And so no matter what business you're in, it's never going to be perfect right off bat. It's not going to be perfect in five years or 10. You're always going to end up trying to climb higher than what you were, but just got to stay the course. Absolutely. So one of your taglines is um, legal innovation you can trust. Mm -hmm. So trust is real heavy when you talk about athletes and sports, you know, like, you know, business in general. I was just thinking the same thing. (laughs) Right. So, so emotional. What made that moniker stick up for, you know, out for you or why, why that tagline? Yeah. So when people think about law, they think about this one track way, Mm -hmm. right? This is, well, if this happens, well, then you got to do this. Right. But being a lawyer is actually very creative. It is. The way you think, the way you present arguments is very creative. And sometimes there may be a way out of no way. And so that's why I say legal innovation, because what we're doing is trying to take the law and mm-hmm. recreate a different way to get you the desired result that, you know, that you want. Um but also that you can trust because at the end of the day, even if we don't get the results that we both want to see, you're going to know I work my butt off for it. Period. You know, there was something that I had took a few years ago and this was a federal court situation and man talking about researching the heck out of this issue, relitigating the issue over and over again in, in motions. And I said to this client, I said, dude, there is nothing I can do with this anymore. Like there were, there was so many legal landmines that at the end of the day, it was going to either come down to this client getting hit with the motion for sanctions from the other side, you know? Um, and so then what do you do? You, you have to have a real hard conversation with the client and say, I know, I know I want to get you through this and I know what you want out of the case, mm-hmm. but it's either this 
or is that, right? And sometimes those conversations are very hard, but I want my clients to know that when you come to my firm, I hope that you do trust me because I'm going to give it everything I do have as if it's my own case. So that's, it can be a double-edged sword sometimes. Yeah. How do you deal with the, I guess the emotions, uh, any, any type of situation where, um, you know, there's legality into it or uh, as a client perspective, I'm, I'm sure there's emotions that come from the client. So how do you deal with, you know, the emotions and obviously human to human interaction, but obviously sticking to the business as well. Yeah. So I can't be everything to everybody. <laughs> I can't be your therapist, baby. Okay. Um, <laughs> look, you no, look for real. You got to have those real hard conversations with clients. Yeah. I understand that you're upset about this, but if you want me to do my job, you cannot be calling my office. You can't be emailing me 10, 15 emails. Cause not only do I have to try to solve your issue, there are other clients that I also have to make sure that I give proper attention to as well. So, you know, don't allow this thing to consume your entire life. You hired a lawyer for a reason so that mm. you can focus on what's important to you. Go and do that. Mm, you know, and sometimes, sometimes people don't want to hear the hard truth, but it is what it is. You know, um, a few weeks ago, this couple called my, my office wanting to set an appointment for some kind of personal injury issue. And there have been some cases where there have been like million dollar settlements or verdicts or whatever. And so one of the husband asked me, he says, well, I don't know if you can really handle this case if you've never handled one of those particular cases. All right. So I had to stop him right there at the door because when I was talking to the wife initially, I told him, I said, sir, let me tell you something. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm not the lawyer for you guys. Like, and this was just a consultation call, okay? This was gonna be setting up a consultation. I said, I'm not the one for you guys. I said, because what we're not gonna do right now, you're not even my client. And already out the gate, EJ, already out the gate, you are assuming that I lack the knowledge, skill, okay? And training to represent your wife in this issue. And he said, well, don't I don't want you to get offended. I said, sir, I'm not offended at all. I said, but I'm not going to get into a tit for tat with someone who I don't even represent at this point, who was already doubting my legal ability. So I don't think that we are a good fit. Calling yeah, an I, attorney who has handled those particular cases. Okay. <laughs> and the thing about it is you have to, right? Because you have if, to. It's starting, if it's starting when it's free. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank when you. I start sending you that bill, yeah. you're going to be like, oh, well, you ain't doing it like this. Yeah, right. You Right. And you have to be able to read that. They they would have all they would have always been a problem. Yeah. You know, but pit that against the young attorney Savanya back in the day. I probably would have dealt with it. But I'm I'm stronger. I recognize my worth. I know what I can do and I don't have time for bull crap. I just don't. So it's like hit it off at the head. Hold on, Mike. What you tell him? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I ain't know I can curse on this podcast, so I'm trying to keep it clean. <laughs> hey, let it fly. We probably should have let you know that a disclaimer. No, you let it fly. We we uh tell us how you really feel. So um in the legal process, right? Like, you know, if you when people get a chance to go to the website, we're gonna make sure you plug that and we put that in the show notes, all that good stuff. Um, you know, there's litigation, you do the business consulting as well, but you know, of course, we're black in sports, so we want you to focus and talk about um the sports aspect of it right so um you know why you chose that lane and then after you chose that lane right because you've been in it for some time you decided to tackle another challenge which is nil right and that's where we really kind of really linked up you know working on and, and discussing some nil nil things so kind of take us down that path yeah um so after i felt like the doors shut in my face on representing athletes in the past uh, 2017 is when I started reorienting my business. I didn't even have not one athlete client at the time. I was just like, I know I want to represent them. So I need to start making sure that my business looks like I represent athletes. And that's what I started doing and talking to people and connecting with people. Um, 2019, actually. So from 2017, I really was having that yearning desire. There was a film that I saw in 2014 that initially sparked my passion to go and speak to athletes and it was a 30 for 30 gone broke film 
And at the time I had, I was doing family law, hate it, don't want to do it. Don't send me no family law clients. Okay. <laughs> but I was watching that and seeing how much of a financial injury was being um, caused on, on the athletes because they lack certain knowledge around the legality of like their child support and modification of child orders and all this stuff. Um, so something happened. I can't remember um, after 2017, but I started having this desire to want to write a book to speak directly to athletes. At that moment, at that time, I had already reoriented my business into business law. So I was representing business owners already, and a lot of them were black coming into my office with issues that could have been resolved had they had counsel on the front end when they made certain deals or created their business and they didn't. And so a lot of these matters were taking them into court and they couldn't afford the bills. They couldn't afford all the time that it was costing them. And some of them were in situations where it could cost them to lose their business entirely. It could cost them to lose things that they created in their business. Um, so when 2019 came and I still was like, I, I really want to speak to these athletes, I was able to take from those experiences, knowing what the stereotypes and the stories have been for athletes for <laughs> millions of years, right? And dump all that in a book and tell them, we got to stop this foolishness. We got to stop. And so my first book was... And I didn't even know this, um, that 2020 was going to be a really messed up year. But 2019, I decided, I say, God, I, something got to change. And I think it was just me worrying too much about what other people had, to, what other people may have thought about what I had to say. And so I prayed about it. And I said, well, I'm going to go into 2020 with no fear. And that was my mantra the entire year. No fear. Published my first book, my first adult type book um, in 2020, What Are You Sporting About? And I had to take these athletes through a shift. I talked to them initially about being a dreamer. Like, who were you back in the day? What did you really want to do? Because what I'm trying to get at, get at is how do you go from being broke to an instant millionaire to then leave the sport and still be broke? How do you come back home the same way you left? There's a problem somewhere in the middle of that, right? And so I take them from their initial dreams and aspirations to who's in your circle and what does that look like? Are people really supporting you or are they hindering hindering you? Or are you hindering yourself? Are you now cloned in this victimhood that you can't get rid of? And so you keep bringing the same mess back into your life and it keeps showing up the same way and you've never learned the lesson. So if you never learned a lesson, you create a business, it's going to go right into your business with you because you've never learned how to deal with it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> we, need, we need a preach button. <laughs> preach. So it's it's a lot of things that I, I put in that in that book, but I we'll tell talk you about that too when we get in the platform. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna be amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. So, so so that was the start off and, and like understanding them and really saying like, okay, this is a focus, you know, these athletes yep. need our help. There's where that we can protect. And yep. that's another thing that you, that you really, you call yourself the, that's another quotable, right? You call yeah. yourself the protector of athletes. And is that where that came from? Just seeing those, um, those simple things that could have been avoided. And then back into, like I said, NIL is that for the babies, right? So you're looking at the pro and then looking at the babies as well. Yep. You know what? <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember when did I start calling myself the protector of athletes? Cause I don't even remember. I just feel like one day it just came out of nowhere and it was like, boom, that's who I am. Yeah. That's who I am. Um, I, <laughs> Jesus. So I think protective athletes came out because one of my clients, not even an athlete, one of my clients who a business client said something about me always protecting them. Like, no matter what it is, I'm going to make sure that I give them the real. And so when I started representing athletes, um, it just seemed like a no brainer. You know, I, I want to give you all the stuff that I know from my angle so that you can arm yourself properly. Right. 
there's a lot of people, and this this is one reason why I feel like athletes continuously get caught up into this situation of theft, you know, to be exact, um, because no one is really telling them, like, you need to look out for this, you need to look out for that, or here's what you can do, you know, <clears throat> ain't sugarcoating nothing. This is what you can do, right? <laughs> this is what you can do, and it's better if you know it earlier. Right. And a lot of people just not, they're just not going to be upfront about it, especially if they're, if they are the ones who are trying to get something from you. That's really interesting on that part. Uh, Cause a lot of these professional athletes are young 20 something. We've all been young 20 somethings and uh, it, they're in a unique spot where they probably have access to a lot of people that they yeah. won't have access to later in life. Um, but who do they really trust as well <laughs> to your point earlier? Yeah. You can see yourself in a lot of sticky situations and it's something that you kind of touched on is a lot of time this wealth is first generational wealth. I mean, let's just be honest, like they're the first ones in their family to right. have this type of this type of money. So I know you're dealing with, with, with all of that. And I guess as your athletic background, how do you take that into protecting athletes as well? Yeah, well, my first thing is tr I'm trying to come at them from a completely different angle, which is not that appealing to them. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're more like, uh, how do I make money from this? Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. but yeah. in my mind, I'm like, um, yeah, you're going to lose money if you're not listening to this. Mm -hmm. Right. Or so. Money, right. What's that? Or protect the money. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So one thing that I do. And I don't know if other other firms do this, but especially representing business af this business clients periods, and I'm looping athletes into that. I I can't do everything for you. I'm not your financial advisor. I'm not your tax professional, right? I'm not your insurance agent. But guess what? I know those people. I've already built relationships with those people, and I'm not about to hook you up with somebody that I know is shysty. It's just not happening because now that's my reputation on the line. And as soon as I figure out something is off, I'm done. It's just not going to work. Um, <clears throat> but you said like these athletes have are coming into rooms with people that they never would have been in rooms with. All right, but right. here's the problem. No one's telling them, how do you leverage that room? Yeah. You so busy allowing these people to use you that you forgot to use them. You forgot to go and network off of them. You forgot to go and meet their buddy. You know what I'm saying? Who's giving these kids these skills? And then here's a problem that we have. When I say we, I'm talking about black people. <laughs> EJ, you are too much. Here's what we have. We trust other people much greater than we trust ourselves. Right? You see us coming in the room, you be like... Oh, what does brother want from me? What does sister me. want? From, right. What they want from me. But homeboy from John from next door come through and tell you everything that you need to do. You ready to go and get a loan out on your house just to pay John. You sign it over to John to let him handle all of them. Right. Absolutely. And then wonder and then wonder what happened when John gets you. I'm telling y'all the truth, man. Like people have come to my firm who's done that. They don't, they don't want to invest with the brother or the sister down the street, but they want to go to the big white firms and they they do whatever they, I mean, they find money underneath rocks to go and <laughs> give to them. But here's the here's another problem. Are you even managing what you're giving to these people? Are you managing how they're managing your stuff? Right? So like you can never. Unless you went to law school, pass the bar, practice law, right? I tell a lot of people, my clients, don't tell me how to practice law when you've never argued evidence in a courtroom. But here's my thing. But still, as your lawyer, you know what your business is. You know what you want it to be. You know what you hired me for. Are you looking at the documents that I send to you? You know what I'm saying? That's that's on you. It's your business. And you have to make sure that you're on top of everything. People can only do so much, but people also do what you allow them to do. So we got to do better. Got to do better. All right, M.H., uh, you want to jump into those quick hits? Yeah, 
let's 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 jump into it. So, if what is a hidden hidden talent that you have? Ooh, we we've heard. Oh my god! Give me a hidden talent. <laughs> um, I can sing and I love writing poetry. Although I haven't written some in a while. Okay. If somewhere to play, if someone were to play you in a movie, who would that be? Oh my gosh! I don't know why my husband came to mind first because he. <laughs> because he's like this big dude but he always making fun of me <laughs> but i'll probably say angela bassett i feel Ooh. like we got the same body structure okay angela okay tina. <laughs> <laughs> Not tina. Tina. <laughs> uh give me one of your favorite movie uh memories from high school a top memory that you have athletically oh athletically yes, um Probably going to state. Hey, what what event? What did you go to state in? That four by one. It was the four by one. Yep. If you had to do another career, okay, I know you want to be you were going to practice law from 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 the get from jump, baby. <laughs> so if you had to pick another career, what would that be, and why? Man, singing probably. I've always wanted to sing. I'd be nervous as I don't know what. But um, <laughs> it's just something I've always loved. It was a dream that I chased when I was a kid. And so I'll probably do that. All right. If you open your phone right now, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> what, what, what's your what's your top three emojis on the text message? What's what's those? Going, you going through you know, the, the actual account? <laughs> hey, that's the lawyer in her right there. Yeah, She's like, get... "Listen, I'm pre I'm presenting the evidence, and it's going to be factual." God damn it! <laughs> love it. Let's effing go. I love it. Very <laughs> true. No very true. Exhibit A, right here. Top three. So look, my first one is the laugh emoji. Okay. My second one is the the emoji with the mask, and then the emoji with the hand clap. You can tell a lot of stories from that. Well, we, yeah, we put that's very interesting. The mask one is, is what's throwing me off a little bit. The hand clap? No, the mask. The mask one. Oh, the mask. Yeah. What's well, the emoji with the mask? You know, we live in COVID times. Now. <laughs> I, you, <laughs> You've, you've told some people to clean their, uh, wash their hands and make sure you got a mask on. And, and stay six <laughs> feet. Man. And stay six we, feet. We, we've applied every rule. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, so I want to join in the fun. I have a couple quick hits for you. So what do you think about Shikari, uh Richardson? I mean, she just got smoked like a blunt by them Jamaicans. What do you think about, like, what she's going through as a former sprinter as well? Yeah, I hope this isn't her last time when she comes back. Because I know she's gotten a lot of ridicule, but um, I, I just got to stand in solidarity with her because we can never know what people are really going through. And this is something that's being played out on a main stage. This is not in private at home with your family. I lost my grandmother, who was like a mom to me, November last year. And that thing hurt really bad. But we all grieve differently. My grief showed out in work, which I'm, I'm definitely afraid that my grief might show up in a way that I don't want it to show up one day because I literally just poured myself into work. She's a person who supported me my entire life, um, helped me while I was in law school. And so I feel like I owe it to her. But other people, they may not have the strength to go to work or to do something that's productive to help them get their mind off of it. So. I just I just pray that she gets the help that she needs because I mean she's good, but don't let other people define what your worth is. Absolutely, especially during those setbacks. Yeah. All right. So oh here's one. Do you think that um and kind of <laughs> Miles is back in the game, but do you think that college will ever get an association? So you know how the professionals have like, you know, in NFL PA, NBA P, all of that. Do you think college now with this new nai nil, NIL. Uh, will have an association i think so i think so okay. they just been denied um what was it from the labor board um like a college athlete union 
Yeah. Yes. Which doesn't make sense though. If you if you want to make money from you don't want to be the employee of the college. <laughs> Super facts, all right? All right, you got one, MH? No, I'm good. You, yeah, 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 you had that look. To, no, you good. Oh, good. He, good. he may he may come back. I might come back. He may come back. So, <laughs> um, what is your biggest fear for the kids in NIL? Because I mean, there's a lot of things that you know they have to worry about, and they're not yeah. even thinking about, and everybody just want to go get the bag, right? That's his generation. I mean, we want to get the bag, but like they, you know, um, or do things that disrespect themselves and their family to get the right. bag. What is your biggest cons- uh, fear? Um, for the kids for the NIL? The emotional injury that may stem from the deals that they receive. Oh, wow. Can you talk a little, a little <laughs> bit? Yeah. I'm out of my glasses fall. <laughs> I mean, okay, here's a prime example. Look at this stuff that just came out with the NFL players. One of them, Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis went to my high school. Yeah. Yeah. What would make you do that? <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? But like, but but think about it though. And then like prior to <laughs> each <laughs> but no for real. But then even prior to that, yeah, like there was some there was some documentary or something that that um Portis was on before talking about like how he almost lost his mind and he wanted to kill people because people were stealing money from him. And for some of these athletes who are top performers who majorly look like us, you know, this is an opportunity to make some real fast money earlier than you waiting for the pros. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is you being injured sooner than what professional athletes are. Mm -hmm. And we're dealing with people who are still developing personally, mentally, emotionally, and everything. Like how do you even handle situations if it was to blow up? Like, People aren't going out and getting our professional athletes ain't even doing it. You ain't even going and getting a lawyer. You're going down the street and getting a chain the way around your neck. You know, so when things blow up, how are you gonna even handle it? <laughs> you gonna take your we gonna check lines in. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I'm just I'm worried about that and I'm worried about how student athletes will manage their family and friends. That's especially when it comes to money. We already know what that can look like. So that's, that's a, that's definitely, that's definitely one. All right. So here we go. Let's jump into the winner's circle. All right. So this is definitely the platform where we get to just talk about the shine, promote what you have going on and all the things. And and you have a lot. So let's just start on the book track. Right. So, um, best-selling author so we want to start with that right because i mean i mean you had a couple books but just to have a best-selling um book and that's um athletes making moves right that's the one that um or one of the ones both Both of them them, actually Mm -hmm. so what was the thought behind that and and then give me the feeling when you when you hit that uh when you hit that mark so um you want me to talk about athletes moves athletes making moves please yeah um okay so (laughs) First off, I was shocked that I hit it in four categories. Mm. That's amazing. That was yeah. how many categories? Four. Let's get it. I'm trying to tell you. Whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the film is so amazing. And I had a few advanced readers prior to this. So, you know, I'm I'm basically a one-man shop. I got certain people in my business that help me do some things, but Unlike some of these bigger publications and authors, they have like a whole team of people that help them to do things. And so being able to hit the bestsellers list, get prior reviews of the book, because I wanted to make sure that it was information that was relevant and digestible and something that can really be implemented. And one of the reviews I got back was from this guy, this this medical doctor, actually, who helps uh, retired athletes. And in his review, he said something like, all athletic directors need to have this book. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the book is really not a how, to, but just um, like you said, very informative, right? Like it's a it's book. Kinda, I mean, applied knowledge to it, right? Like so, right. I can, this is like, oh, this is I can implement this in some form or fashion of the things that are applicable to me. That's amazing. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I, I won't say like it's an absolute how-to guide. It's breaking down name, image, and likeness in every legal aspect that I could, that I knew of at the time. So I take them from, first off, just that personal development phase. So there's a framework that I introduce in the book, my, my own little framework. But then I take them to, to, uh, through historical nature of NCAA rules. Now, what does NIL look like legislatively comparing two states that are completely different that are representative of most of the states who have rules on the book? Mm -hmm. Then what does that look like legally if something was to happen? What are some of the claims that you may be able to raise? Well, what does that look like in your contracts? Do you even know how to read one? What does it look like post sports, you know, estate planning, intellectual property, taxes? It's all kind of stuff in that book. <laughs> Man, I, I, that's my bad. I don't know. There's a little feedback on there. Um, so, one, one question I did have I'm, if I'm just looking at the book, it's very appealing to my eyes uh, because of the color. Was there a reason why? Is is the, the yellow color there? Athlete yeah. making athletes making moves. Yep, this is the standard edition. And so I had multiple mock-ups of this. My brother, my little brother, he said, I love the yellow because if I was walking past a shelf, that color would just stick out to me. Mm-hmm. But then I love the matte black because the initial concept for me is I wanted it to look like chalk. I wanted let me see it. Yeah, I got this one over here. And that's the, the updated one, right? The one in the mat? Yep. So this is the special edition. So I wanted the black to look like chalk, but I'm like, dang, I actually like the yellow. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to keep both of them. I'm going to keep the yellow as my, as my standard edition and the black as the special. And the special edition has a lot more resources in the back of the book. So anyone who buys my book gets a free membership where I take the resources in this book and put it in an eight by 10 sheet so you can download it and use it. So there's things like in the special edition, there are sample um, cover letters to your school, like disclosure letters, sample pitch emails. Um, There's charts on, oh my gosh, drawing a blank, Um, a public right of use. So every state has, well, not every state, but some states have this publicity right statute where somebody can't go and make money from your name, image, or likeness without you having a say about it, right? Yeah, so that's kind of what that is. But it's a bunch of stuff in here, man. When did, when did you start the process in, in writing the book? Because, you know, from outside looking in, the NIL was talked about for a long, long time, and then it was just here. Here it right? is, right. Oh, yeah. When, so when did you start <clears throat> Yeah. So after I published What Are You Sporting About? I literally went straight into writing Athletes Making Moves. And yeah, I so what I did was conceptually charted out issues for like almost like a table of contents and somewhat like what I want to address in those sections. But at the times like NIL was still conceptual. People were talking about it, but there was no movement on it. So no one really knew who was going to do what or whatever. Um, No state had made any moves on this stuff. So me just going and trying to find different things legislatively was kind of hard until before, you know, I mean, Florida was the first one. So when I, when I was writing this book, there were only three states that had legislation. It was California, then Florida came next and Colorado. Those are the only three that were out there. And so I was looking at those and I had to go back and add additional stuff into this book towards the end of the year, because now there was so many other states coming through and other people trying to battle. And then before you know it, Illinois had a statue. I was like, what? I'm here, I'm here in Illinois. So I'm like, okay. And I had to go back and just really reorient it, reorient what I was doing because I didn't want to miss anything. Right. So, yeah, I pretty much I was right there at at the start, pretty much around. Yeah. Writing on the NIL issues. That's total. So um, what are you sporting about was the first one of the first books that you um, published. And then now it's in a podcast form. Yes. So what made you turn that into a podcast? And then, you know, what what is it behind that book or 
you know, what's the genesis? Like how did that evolution come around? So, okay, I have this book and now I want to make it into a podcast. Yeah, before, so when I was, before I launched What Are You Sporting About? I was hosting webinars. And those webinars were taking some of the bigger concepts out of the book mm-hmm. and putting them into a format where we can actually talk about these issues. When I started seeing all of the interest around it, and how these professional athletes and professionals in sports were like, oh my gosh, yes, I'll come and talk about that. I said, okay, this book it, it is more than just being in a book. We need to make sure there's a place where these conversations can live. And when I say, <laughs> what are you sporting about? You know, when you read that book from cover to cover, you'll, you'll definitely get the message. What is this all for? Like, what is my purpose in life? And so whoever I bring onto the podcast, even if they're not in the sports industry, you must have something to talk about as it relates to purpose. You must have something to talk about because the folks who are listening to it, some people need to be pulled up. Some people need to recognize, okay, this might not be what what I want to do with the rest of my life. I don't want to be become a slave, you know, to a sport or to a dead dream or goal, right? So it just, it inspired that podcast, man. And I'm, I'm actually very happy that I did it. I was nervous as I don't know what, but. So yeah. for the podcast, is there a, like a dream guest? Cause so it's funny, MH and I always have this conversation. We talk about like who we want to get next, what makes sense. So is there a dream guest for your podcast? A few of them actually. <laughs> Are yes. you going to share? Are you going to mm-hmm. keep that? Keep that until till it till it Man, comes reality. Okay, I want to interview Allison Felix. I want to interview Serena Williams. I want to interview. <laughs> I want to interview um, LeBron James. The king. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, the king. I would love to get an interview with Oprah. <laughs> right down the street. <laughs> well maybe not she might be in california somewhere that part um but yeah those are some of my some of my dream guests because they all it's it's easy to, to look at them from this mega star perspective but they all had to fight something to get to where they are and to maintain it you know so i respect that so I, I was going to ask this, then when you're talking about, I was thinking maybe a Michelle Obama. I mean, you know, oh, I would love to interview okay. Michelle Obama. Shoot. I thought she'd be on that list. I mean, you got Oprah. I mean, Michelle, you, know what? I mean, you got that connection, right? You yes. in there, I mean, and, and I would what, love to interview her. And what I mean, does she have any influence or what's your I mean, You know, she's in the legal practice, right? Yeah. I mean, she's from around the area that you're that you're in currently. So, yeah, I would love to interview Michelle Obama, actually. Um. It cannot be easy <laughs> being a black woman from Illinois, having to deal with all of the ridicule she's dealt with. And it's, I, I reflect back to a conversation I just had with another amazing black woman who, I mean, got like all the accolades on the earth, but it just goes to show how great you can be at something and people always try to find fault with you. So how do you, how do you block that out? I, I'd love to get her perspective. Okay. All right. So speaking of perspective, this is the part of the show we call the assist, right? So you get to drop that dime or you get to be that, you know, that coach on the floor calling that play um, and, and leave us with like uh, words to live by a quote that you live by or something you would tell your younger self. So give us that short, like affirmation or words of wisdom. For sure. Always remember that what other people think about you shouldn't define your worth. Boom. Love it. Love it. All right. So we're getting out of here. MH, you got any final thoughts? Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for all the knowledge. Thank you for protecting our athletes. That's near and dear to my heart. I always feel like I want to protect the athletes, but you're 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 doing it. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I Absolutely. definitely appreciate it. And then if you could just let them know where they can find you. Cool, child. That's like a whole task in itself. All right. Look. <laughs> I'm going to help you all throw some of that stuff at the bottom. Thank you for helping me. Oh, my gosh. So for the law firm, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, you can find me at S. Elderborough's Law for my sports brand. What are you sporting about? 
at What Are You Sporting About on Facebook and Instagram. And for the new brand, Athletes Making Moves, make sure that you go to Instagram and Facebook at Athletes Making Moves. And you can visit the website at athletesmakingmoves.com. Boom, there you go. Well, hey, thank you so much for being on the show. We really enjoyed it. I thank you, the people, for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. New shows dropping every Thursday, so please subscribe to the YouTube because visual representation matters. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please stay safe, practice gratitude, and know we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got a sports and entertainment until we even... Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spat about two racks on handmade new rags. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and back. Screaming all this.